Good evening, lovelies. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, Candy, and Creatives, a Be Unique radio featured program. This is the Sunday Cinema Show, and my creatives tonight are filmmakers Sadvi Sadali Shri and Sadvi Anabuti. Their documentary, Surviving Sex Trafficking, is available to watch on demand now. You can get it on iTunes, Amazon, and Vimeo. Surviving Sex Trafficking is the story of some brave, beautiful women who have actually escaped the sex trafficking trade. Their stories are horrific, heartbreaking, triumphant, victorious, and overall a shining example of strength and bravery. Sadali is the first North American Jane female monk. She's a U.S. Army veteran. She's a TED speaker, social justice advocate, author, and filmmaker. Anabuti is also a Jane monk. She is a speaker, advocate of nonviolence, human and animal rights, and an anti-human trafficking activist. You can get more information on the documentary and the work that these beautiful ladies do at survivingsextraffickingfilm.com. This episode is brought to you by Be Unique Brevard, the Space Coast premiere magazine. Head over to beunique.org to score your free copy, as well as find out more information about what this wonderful nonprofit organization does. Now, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage, cuddle up with your host, Pope, and enjoy the show. So everybody, I am here with filmmakers Sidali Shri and Sadvi Anabuti. They are the brilliant brains behind this film called Surviving Sex Trafficking. This is a huge problem worldwide, sex trafficking. And you've already, you had already made a documentary about the sex trafficking problem. But this one is about those survivors, those brave souls that have managed in some shape or form to get away. You speak with five or six ladies, Angela, uh, Kendra, gosh, Rachel, Zarina, and Hamana. Hamana. And these, these ladies, their stories are heartbreaking, but triumphant. So take me into, I mean, it seems like an an obvious progression after doing the first film that your brain says, well, what now? What happened after? It's the logical step. Take me into this because also for you, Sadali, this was kind of an awakening, an emotional, like kind of breakdown, breakthrough for you as well as you made it. Is that correct? Yes. Um, With the first film, um, Stopping Traffic, we're focused more on the educational side. What is human trafficking? What is sex trafficking? Using the voices of activists around the world to define it and show the audience what it's all about. Uh, But Anubuti and I felt the first film was incomplete because we don't get to know the survivors in a deeper way. So we felt that with surviving sex trafficking, We wanted to explore the emotional journey, the mental journey, the spiritual journey, um, the journey to healing. And through that process, my own story is shared in the film. And the film became my healing journey to to heal from my own uh, childhood trauma. And so it's just so interesting because when we embarked on this journey, had no idea my story was going to be a part of it. But that's why the survivors in the film are so inspiring because whoever has experienced any kind of trauma through their stories, through their journey, they'll find hope for themselves. I can imagine it it must have taken you by surprise, like, oh, wait, we weren't talking about me. When did the focus shift? It's so crazy to me that we think that we know about sex trafficking, but honestly, we have no idea the depths of it. It's not just one or two things. It's not like a a film where 
it's not taken, right? It's not the film taken all the time. It's young girls. It's older ladies. It's, you know, it's women that um, take a job stripping because, you know, that's what they, they need to do to, to, to provide for their family. And it goes horribly wrong, it leads to a, a, a desperate, painful, horrible situation. You come out of this film, as you said, inspired as a thousand lutely. These women are incredible. But you're also, you come out of this going, oh my gosh, I had no clue that it was this involved this much. Angela's story, because it was so horrific and because it was covered in the news, I think that brought attention to part of it. But we have to still get more, more and more attention on it. And your film, I think, is an amazing way for that to be done because I came out of it going, oh my God. I know nothing. There's so many, so many dimensions to um, sex trafficking. And that's why it's so hard to, you know, people ask like, well, how do we solve it? You know, and maybe Anubuti can speak to this, but, you know, people ask like, how do, how do we solve it? But there, there's just so many dimensions. There's the vulnerabilities. There's, there's just so many aspects. Well, and the victims or the survivors themselves, as I think Rachel was saying, they think that they deserved it. They think that you know, it was their fault. So they're not, they won't speak out. They won't fight back. And it's, it's just a horrible thing. So you're right. There's not one thing that we can do to stop it. It's not like, okay, we're going to go out and we're, you know, going to round everybody up and that's the end of it. So many moving parts to it. It is. It's, um, and I think that's why it's so difficult to really understand human trafficking and sex trafficking. It's because it's so multidimensional. Um, you know, part of us making the first film was to actually for us to educate ourselves and educate our community. And through the process of making the film, it was a big realization like, oh, that's what human trafficking is. Oh, that's what sex trafficking is. And mm -hmm. that is how it looks in, in this country, in Mexico. And this is how it looks in the Philippines. And this is how it looks in, in the US. And within each country, every survivor has a different story. And, you know, not too long ago, one of our screenings, I just remember having this big moment, um, just kind of reflecting in the room. And I thought, you know, wow, we have one survivor who was literally kidnapped into trafficking. We have another survivor that I just found that was chained to a place, literally chains. This is a rare case, but it happens. This is here in the U.S. for two years chained. Another person who was groomed to believe that this is something that you should do. Another person who was born into this kind of situation with a parent who was a trafficker himself. Um, we had another case of just, you know, another situation of trafficking. So every person, every survivor looks different. And that's what makes it so difficult to spot it and to understand it. And I think that's why we need to focus more on the people at risk, which can be anybody, anybody from any social class, anybody at any given time that's in a vulnerable situation puts them at risk of trafficking. And that's why education is the most important aspect to prevent this problem. Right, absolutely. And it's, no specific color, no specific uh, body shape. There's no, it's not specified. It's not like, oh, we only take blonde hair, blue eyes. No, you talk about Ethiopia, India, you know, Mexico, as you said, 
and the United States. This is not, America does not have the monopoly on perversion or, you know, depravity or cruelness. It's everywhere. There it's is every no discrimination. Exactly. Of any sort. It's just, it's mind blowing. And it's such a, it's such a problem. And I wanted to ask you, I am a mother of boys, so it's not something that I would have had to think about, but that's not necessarily true. Not just because it wasn't spoken about. Is that a problem as well? I mean, our little boys or teenage boys, they, I mean, they must, right? Yes. In our, in our first film, um, oh, our main kind of, our main survivor was male. And he was trafficked by his own family and the abuse started um, at the age of four and lasted until he was 16. And it was important for him to be a part of our film because he wanted to raise awareness that this happens to boys, it happens to men, and it's even more taboo because just because you're a male, you're supposed to protect yourself, you're stronger and all of these things, you're not you know, weak like, let's say like a female who's easily to, you know, easy right. to kidnap or groom but no it happens to males too boys men and we're like resources are already limited especially for for uh children and and women even more so for for boys and men because people don't think it happens but it does for our second film we um you know, our subjects, our survivors are female, but it, it happens to men, it happens to boys too. And this conversation um, needs to continue and it needs to grow. Yeah, you're right. That toxic masculinity, you're, how could you let this happen? And this is just a conversation that's opened up what in the past few years that men can be raped, that men can be sexually assaulted, sexually harassed. Because for the longest time, it was a female centric thing. And it, it's not true. It happens to everybody. As we said, wherever there's someone with um, an evil heart or, a, you know, a, that hurtful personality or whatever it is, it's going to happen to anyone. As you said, it, it doesn't discriminate. Yeah, people ask this question, what is the root of this? Why is this happening? You know, and as long as we continue to have people out there that are looking for greed, for power, for control, to take advantage of other people, you know, th this problem will always be there. And, you know, to solve the problem, that is the big question. How are we going to get rid of this problem? And and a lot of people also wonder, well, if this has been around for hundreds of years, which it has, why are we just talking about it? And, you know, we we love to credit the efforts um, that have occurred in the last 10 years, um, all the nonprofits, people who have finally understood what human trafficking is, what sex trafficking is, and they're shedding a light on the problem. And I think that the shift needs to happen as a society. You know, what are we doing as a society that's contributing to this problem? And the first thing is, is our ignorance to it, our lack of of understanding because it's happening right in front of us. It's happening in our, our own backyards. It could be happening to a neighbor. It could be happen, happening to a family member. And once we begin to understand the problem, which is education, then now we can, okay, spot it, identify it and educate others and continue to educate the youth because the youth is the most vulnerable group in our society. And as long as we teach them that this is out there and this could happen to them, and now that with technology, that's the other big aspect of trafficking is that, you know, society has opened up new channels, new doors or opportunities for, for traffickers, for predators to, to go after our, our children in our communities. 
and it's opening new ways for this to happen and it has grown tremendously in the last few years because of social media and technology. You see or you hear the stories about young girls being messaged through certain apps. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but certain apps, sometimes they're pretending to be like, say it's a 13-year-old girl, they're pretending to be a 14-year-old boy. It's like, oh my God. But with the, the social media or the technology aspect of it, a lot of people, their only brush with awareness of sex trafficking is a shared post on Facebook of, ladies, be careful. I was walking out to my car the other night. You know, those type of posts, right? And it's like, people have no idea. And also you had said something uh, about topics being taboo. And I think also just personally, my, my thought is talking about sex in general has not always been as free. And a lot of people have a misconception, have not had, because they still have it, about ladies in prostitution, men in prostitution, strippers, uh, things like that, that they are dirty, disgusting, sexual people that are not worthy of respect or, or maybe deserve if it happens to them. And it's not the case. It's not the case 100% of the time. So I think you're absolutely right. Conversations have got to happen. I mean, 90%, um, we think 90, about 90% of those that are working in the sex trade are not there by choice. It, they're there uh, because they're forced to be there either uh, through a pimp or potentially their, their situation. And those that claim it's a form of empowerment, maybe for some, but we have to look at their past. Did they go through some kind of trauma? Did they go through some kind of abuse or... Um, not in all cases, but majority, most don't want to be there. But the, the media films, they glorify it like pretty woman. The entertainment industry objectifies women and, and the body. So we have to change as a culture the way we view women to start reducing this use. So that's why, again, there's so many dimensions to tackle. It's not like, here's the solution, because in order to end this horrific thing, people have to change and is society ready to change it well it's it's a little difficult because you know society knows like well the entertainment industry that makes a lot of money so what what sells that's why really to make changes we have to change ourselves but how many people really want to look at themselves and see their own you know lower qualities or you know, they can point the finger like, oh, they're, they're full of ego, anger, or whatever, but do they see that within themselves? So same thing applies to trafficking. It's easy to point the finger maybe at the trafficker, but, you know, as an individual, do you have some kind of form of violence in your thoughts, actions, and speech, right? So, you know, we're, we're Jane monks, and that's why it was really important to for us to bring in like a spiritual aspect to our film, to bring that kind of balance and, and perspective, not to preach, but to bring an understanding that, you know, the, the survivors are not different from us. They've gone through pain, we've gone through pain. So can we connect and grow together? So, so you know, change has to happen everywhere, including ourselves. I find it disheartening a little bit that here in, in, in America, this country that's supposed to be so progressive, you have people arguing whether or not to wear a mask. How are they ever going to have a conversation about something so much more important that has such a greater impact on the world? It's very disheartening. And 
it's not, it's not going to be a one day seminar. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a two week long convention with multiple classes because people are very selfish. They're very self-centered, very insular. They, if it's not affecting them, kind of like with COVID, if it's not affecting them, don't care, can't be bothered. I've, I've got my own life, you know, and it's so disheartening that people can't look outside of themselves. Maybe it's a lack of empathy, lack of compassion, lack of knowing that the world doesn't revolve around you. I think, um, you know, the idea is they just think, oh, trafficking's not going to happen to me and my family. Like, I'm, I'm aware. I'm going to see it. I'm going to catch it. We learned of a story and they were, they are a, a trainer and educating uh, people about sex trafficking. They're very passionate about raising awareness. And it was happening in her own home and she missed it. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, and this is someone that's very aware but it, it, and very educated, but they miss it. And so people miss it. Same thing why parents might miss that their child is getting abused. You know, it's, it's, it can have, and, and abuse and harassment and assault, it's much more common, of course, um, compared to trafficking, but it's, it's happening a lot to, to um, females and males. So if we're already not even paying attention to that, course, we're not even going to be paying much attention to trafficking because it's not happening in my family. It's not happening under my roof. I would know these things, mm -hmm. but sometimes you don't know. It could be the neighbor. It could be somebody else. Um, and, you know, they, they have the statistics, like maybe one in three, one in five, one in seven are, are, are abused. So it is happening. And we were talking with someone recently and they, they feel it's like 50%, like one out of two. Wow. For abuse. So. That's horrific. Yeah. I think the conversation has to happen, not just, you know, with us raising awareness through this podcast, through, you know, you and your community and, and these conversations that we are having. But I think now parents have to truly absorb this and take it home and start talking to their kids. And, you know, it's, uh, that is the question. And, and I have had friends come up to us and say, you know, my kids are this old when should I start the conversation, right? And and the earlier that you have this comfortable conversation and and talk about sex and talk about the the possibility that there is bad people out there and people that abuse children and you have to protect yourself and be smart and and have this knowledge, you know, uh, removing the taboo, you know, but this having this freedom to have these conversations with your kids because if you educate your kids. You're, you're empowering them. Education is empowerment. So when you empower your kids, then, you know, they're going to be less likely to fall for these traps um, that are happening right now. Right. And I think there are some parents or a lot of parents probably that don't want to have conversations like this because what they're going to traumatize their child, right? They're going to somehow break their child by having a conversation about what they consider adult content. But guess what? Guess what's going to traumatize them? so much worse being abused. It's like, have a conversation with your kid. You would have a conversation about not wandering off in the mall. Don't touch the hot stove. It's, it'll hurt you. But guess what? You gotta have this conversation too, because that's really going to hurt you. There's a, a woman, her name is Erin Marin, and she was abused as a child, sexually abused as a child. And she is the voice behind Erin's law. Erin's law is in, I forget what the percentage, it's not in all 50 states, sadly, but it is, it has to do with the school system 
teaching children that it's okay to talk to an adult or to someone when they've been abused. It's education for the child to know that if neighbor Bob touched them inappropriately, they can tell their mom or they can tell their teacher. I might say the wrong state and I'm sorry. It was like New York or Pennsylvania or something like that. And there was a representative that fought her and fought her and fought her on this law. And the year that it finally got passed and went into effect, one elementary school over the course of like, I want to say like nine years, seven years or something, multitudes of children spoke. And it was the principal of the school. Wow. And she went back to that representative and said, if you would have let me, if you would have let this law pass, how many children would not have been abused? Mind blowing. Absolutely. Talk to the kids. Don't worry that you're going to scar them or, oh my God, they're going to know about penises and vaginas and, oh my God, who cares? The horrific thing that could happen to them because they don't know better than to tell you when they've been touched inappropriately or, or hurt. If they cry in their room ashamed and, and they don't know why and they think it's their fault, you know what? It's your fault, parents because you could have had a conversation with them. Yeah. Um, And the other thing is not just that, but also their exposure to things on social media. We're starting to see that children younger and younger are being exposed to pornography even. You know, we just had the case of Billie Eilish who came out and, you know, she's in her 20s and she expressed that, you know, she's been watching pornography since she was 11 years old. And unfortunately now, I believe that is the the average age. I I can't recall if it's seven or 11, uh, the two numbers come to mind, but it's the average age that children are now being exposed to pornography too. And, and, you know, Billie expresses all the consequences of her watching this pornography in the toll that it has taken in her mental health, her addiction to it, the, the patterns of unhealthy relationships that that created as well. So, you know, all of these things can lead to, to, to hurting the kids in the future too, you know, and, and again, like you said, having these conversations with your children, because you just don't know as much as you want to protect them from these things. And, you know, you want to protect their innocence, but it's the reality. The reality is, is that these things are out there and they're going to find them sooner than later. So it's best that parents have this conversation first with them. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, um, one of our supporters of our first film, um, she, wanted to have the difficult conversation with her two sons and um, her sons were inspired to start their own kids against trafficking club and they brought in other kids and just recently they published their own graphic novel um it's kids against trafficking um a, a kid's guide to being safe online and they wrote their own stories. They drew everything. They, you know, worked together to create like a hundred page book, like graphic novel to talk on topics of like sexting, trafficking, abuse, needing to tell the parents, like being careful of, um, you know, the bad person that's, you know, trying to, you know, kidnap you or, or communicate with you. Um, and the age range of this group is, was like eight to 15. So I really commend, you know, the parents that, of course, it's uncomfortable, but they wanted to educate their kids and then their kids in a way are having fun educating other kids. So it's like kids are teaching other kids in ways that, you know, the parents can't reach. So um, 
so yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's really up to the parents though, to, to have that courage and to yeah. overcome like, you know, other people might say like, oh, it's too young. It's too young, but that's where it's happening. It's happening at the young age. So it, it needs to happen. And recently um, we were in Beloit, uh, Wisconsin for a film festival. And um, one of the task force members that uh, was part of our Q and A, she was saying like at her school, she's an educator, she, like you gotta, there's so much red tape with the principal and you can't even talk about these things. And she's like, familial trafficking is so big here in Wisconsin, but they won't let us have the conversation. So, um, so that's why it's important for us, um, for your listeners, who anybody that's tuning in to realize how important it is to have this conversation, to be educated ourselves, but to also educate, you know, the kids too. Right. I mean, just to take it, take it as if you're going to talk to your kids about not drinking or not drinking and driving. You're going to talk to them about not doing drugs. God, I would hope that you would talk to them about not playing. If you have a firearm, you talk to them about things that you think are going to hurt them or could kill them. You have those conversations with them. Maybe you don't have them as young. Maybe you should personally. This is also something that should be in that and that box of conversations that you're going to have with your child because you're so worried about them being hurt or being killed. You love your child. You don't want to ever think about anything happening to them. I understand. And to have that conversation with them is to confront that fear in yourself, mm-hmm. right? But you got to, you have to. How much naughty stuff did you learn on in the schoolyard, on the playground? Like 90% of what you knew about sex you learned it from your your schoolmates you know they were the ones that let me not say this too loud they were the ones that told you about santa okay your parents didn't you know your parents didn't have that conversation when they did come to you ready on their time to talk about the birds and the bees you're like oh i bobby told me it's like i already knew so if we could stop overprotecting our children and protect them if that makes sense so this is available online you can go to survivingsextraffickingfilm.com for showtimes and where you can see it. Yes, it's, it's available um, for, for viewing on iTunes, Amazon, and Vimeo. And um, all of the links are on our website. This film is it's amazing. All of the ladies that you talk to, like you said, inspiring. And going back to what you were saying about um, not always knowing or not being able to tell that someone is, is being abused or used or trafficked. Angela and her Instagram pictures, smiling, looking beautiful. You would never, you'd never think. And then just that juxtaposition of her photos after mm-hmm. her. So senselessly, so ruthlessly, it's like, holy crap, this is not, oh God. If you think that someone is in danger or being abused, what can, what can you do? So, um, you know, there is different approaches to this. So if you, if you sense something, if your gut feeling is telling you something, say something, but not to the person directly, not to the, the victim, not to who you think may be the trafficker, because that can endanger you, it can endanger the victim, right? So there is different ways. If you are at the airport, Go to the airport officials, report it to them. If you are in a school, the, you know, the school uh, security person, uh, wherever you're at, look for that kind of, um, you know, authority who can, you know, 
report this, you can report this too. Uh, but if you're not in those kind of places, there is also the um, human trafficking hotline. Uh, you can search it online. I don't have it here in front of me, but there is a, a, a phone number that you can call. It's the hotline. You can report it. It's fully anonymous. They won't, you know, say it was you that called, but you can report it. And, you know, this way they can follow up. You're giving a tip and they might find, um, you know, that it is a trafficking case. Okay, wonderful. I will have to, I'll put that in the uh, description, the, the hotline number and everything. Ladies, my God, it has been amazing speaking with you. I'm so thankful for the work that you do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, that's all I can say. This, it's just so beautiful that this is the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to talk with me. I appreciate it. Thank you Pup, for having thank us. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for you, for your time and for your listeners. And, you know, we need an army of people to get behind this movement. We need to get together a collective effort to end sex trafficking. Everybody can do something. Yes, absolutely. All right, ladies. Well, thank you. And I hope that you have a wonderful night. Thank, Thank you. Too. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this creative conversation. Be sure to follow me on social media. I am Pup Duffy basically everywhere. You can follow the show on Facebook. It's Coffee, Candy, and Creatives. Head over to beunique.org. Like, follow, and support my beautiful humans over there. Be sure to check out my sponsor. And for your own sponsorship or interview opportunities, please email me at pup4ccc at gmail.com. If you like the music you're hearing, head on over to raleighkeegan.com and do yourself a favor and buy this album. You can download it or you can have a physical CD. You can also keep up to date on tour dates and future releases. As always, take care of each other, love each other, watch each other's back, and I'll see you next time.